0: So again, welcome to our continuing study in the book of Luke and and we'll be in uh, chapter 12 this morning in verse 11 and 12. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. <clears throat> and Kind of to set the stage for this uh, this lesson here in Luke uh, chapter 12 verse 11 and 12, <clears throat> the Jesus had just had concluded having supper with these Pharisees who were the they were kind of the, his uh, most of them I, you might say were his arch enemies there and from the religious world and there were a few though because the Bible that were believers the Bible says. Some of the Pharisees believed and we know that Nicodemus uh, was a believer and and we find that Saul of Tarsus who said he was a Pharisee of a Pharisee, uh, the epitome of the Pharisees became a a regenerated believer after a time. but by and large they were his enemies and and at the conclusion of the last chapter that said they were trying to trick him into saying something that they might uh, they, they wanted to acu- accuse him of and, and so they were looking for ways to uh to get rid of him so he'd had this supper with them and and <clears throat> and he pronounced a bunch of woes on them and said a bunch of things to them that they took offense to in uh in so now he's with his disciples, and and you know they probably had a little bit of uh, of uh, worry there. You know, you're aggravating those guys, and we're we're a little bit afraid, and and so in in uh, chapter twelve he he begins to counsel them, and I I just think of it as. The Lord had; He knew He was only going to be with them physically a short time, and <clears throat> and uh, you know it kind of reminded me of our daughter when she comes to visit us, when she gets ready to go. Okay, well be careful on your way home, and drive carefully, and do this and do that, and don't do this and don't do that. And when you get back, when you get home safely, call us and let us know, and so we have all this advice for her. And, I think that's the way the Lord kind of viewed this. He he looked at all these disciples and he knew their fates, all of them. You know what was going to happen, where they were going to go, uh, what they were going to do, what was going to happen to them. And, and it turns out that, uh, and it was apostles all, but one of them were executed, and he knew that when he was telling him these things. So. So he says, beware of the leaven of the hypocrisies. And we spent a whole lesson on that leaven of hypocrisy, that uh, that pretending to be what you are not and uh, saying one thing and doing another. And, and then in verse 4 of Luke chapter 12, he says, And I say unto you, my friends. Boy, what a wonderful verse that the Lord looks at you and calls you friends. Be not afraid of them that kill the body. He says, I know these guys are kind of scary, but... Be not afraid of them. And we're going to look at some examples of how that turns out here a little bit later in the lesson from the book of Acts. Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him with which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. <clears throat> Are not five sparrows? Sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. So not only does he call them friends and tell them to fear not, but he says, You're valuable to me. Each one of you has a has a value that's beyond comprehension to the Lord. And he's in verse eight he says, also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, whoever acknowledges me as a son of God, whoever agrees with the gospel, uh him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God, and he that denieth me before men, he who contradicts me, who he who disparages the gospel, he who is against me uh before men, shall be denied or before God, and and that word actually means to not have any association with. And and we looked at that scripture in Matthew where he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. No association ever. And verse 10, Whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And we we spent time on that verse as well on speaking against uh, disparaging the Holy Spirit and in, in uh, attributing His works not to His efficacious power and uh, and not acknowledging the the work of the covenant of grace there. And so now we're in verse 11 and 12 here for this lesson today. And when they And he's given them this advice, and he says, And when they take you and bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take ye no thought how or what thing ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. Isn't that an interesting word? Uh, Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. <clears throat> and so in today's lesson, uh, titled uh, we're titled it The Spirit in the Church, <clears throat> the, the the valuable words that that the Lord speaks to, to all of us and to those disciples in particular, but to the church at large <clears throat> and uh, the value of them and You know, in John 6.63, the the Lord says, The words that I speak unto you are spirit and truth. The very words, every word that he says. And uh, in dealing with these Pharisees, most of whom were enemies, and here he's about to make his final walk into Jerusalem to give his life a ransom for many, for the church. And giving those words that he spake in spirit and truth, that the Spirit would call to their mind at the right time, that He would He would do that, and you don't have to worry about. Well, maybe I should write down some notes. <laughs> maybe I should write down some. In case they ask me this, I better think of that. In case they ask me this, I better write uh, write this down. And uh, you know, I I saw a guy doing a. Bible lesson here or on another place that shall be nameless. But he was handing out little pamphlets to tell to witness to people. And he says, "Well, if they say this word, that's a you can use that to to bring up a similar word in the scripture, and then lead that into the and and if they say this word, then you go here, and if you say if they say that word, then you go to here and and. Uh, Anyway, uh, I digress. But uh, <clears throat> I, I just wanted us to look a little bit today at maybe expand our view of the Holy Spirit in 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 the church. And He says, "Take no thought what you say." The the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. And uh, you know, it turns out the Holy Spirit is with us always. Uh, are we ever really alone? <clears throat> we you know we have continual words of Comfort from Jesus, and and, <clears throat> and He brings us along as we're able. That's what He told the disciples. He says, I have, "Boy, I have got a lot of things to tell you, but right now you're not able." Uh, you're, the more we dig into the the Word of God, the more that He blesses us with understanding. The more we see that it's just an endless supply, and it's just deeper and wider and more expansive than we could ever think and 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 uh you know David said, "Boy, when I think about this when I'm in the night watches when I'm thinking, he says, It's just too wonderful, I can't contain, cannot contain He says just it's too much for my mind, so so we have these words from Jesus, I say unto you, my friends, fear not them that kill the body each or, each of you are of great value to the lord and and I just wanted us to remember that as we look at this lesson concerning the Spirit of God uh, teaching us what to speak at a moment of trial that we might have and we're just really blessed that we don't really have too much of that in this country and at this period of time But uh, <clears throat> things could change but uh, remember that the Spirit is eternally with us and, <clears throat> and we, if we look at a few scriptures which kind of affirm that truth uh, turn with me to John fourteen, sixteen. John fourteen sixteen. That Jesus is speaking with his uh, disciples again. He says, "And I will pray the Father; I'll intercede for you, pray for you, and He shall give you another Comforter, another Comforter. He was with them at the present." <clears throat> that he may abide with you forever. He'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And you know when we think about that eternity is not a linear thing. It's a it's a broad spectrum view of from God that that we really can't comprehend because we're linear time-wise and but forever uh, eternally with the Lord is like in all time, in all directions, in all places, in all things, and and uh, not necessarily from well from this point on. You know, the Spirit is. If we look at the Scripture and we understand the Trinity, and we understand that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all one; they're all in unity. They're they're all in the same purpose. They prov- they they do different parts of the covenant of grace. The Father chose a people in eternity, gave them to the Son. The Son agreed to redeem them by the sacrifice of His own body on the cross. And the Holy Spirit applies that and brings the new birth and gives them faith and trust. Uh, So, if he says i've loved you with an everlasting love or an eternal love if that's the fault well the spirit is there right in unison with that so the spirit has had to have had a love an everlasting love for you as well <clears throat> and and if we look at that in the view of of god's providence as we might say or his purposes Uh, we we often think, well, wonder why why didn't he save me before I did all that bad stuff? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just according to his sovereign purposes, and we're going to look at some scriptures that kind of teach us that in this lesson, that the Spirit watches over us from before eternity. I was telling Norm, you know, I was thinking of the book of Matthew where it gives the linear, or the lineage of the Lord. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And I said, wouldn't it be interesting if we could send in one of those litmus test things that you lick and send it in to the whoever and they send you back a list of all, your, all of your uh, ancestors that were believers or not believers and be able to say, well, boy, you know, probably not one of mine were. <laughs> Probably, but the spirit of God worked all things to to bring them to where they were to have the children that they had to have the children that they had to have the children that they had that produced me. Boy, all the all the all the way back to Adam, and and it, and it was involved in that, and and the spirit makes sure that nothing happens to you. You're not taken out of this world one second early, before He connects you with the gospel and gives you the new birth. If you're if you were given to the Son in the covenant of grace, behold, the Isaiah said, "Behold, I and the children whom thou, thou hast given me." That's what the Lord said. Here's a picture. He says, "Here is me and all of the children that you gave me." And so if we have that picture of the Holy Spirit, make sure that that you're not taken out of this world before you hear the gospel and before you you have the new birth and before you're blessed with this wonderful faith, this uh, total trust and reliance in Christ for salvation. <clears throat> what a, He's with us eternally. And <clears throat> the Lord hath appeared unto me of old, saying, I've loved thee, with an everlasting love, an eternal—that just means eternal. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee? And you know, he he draws us at the time that's uh, like Paul said. You know, when it pleased God, <coughs> when it pleased God, that's that was the time. And I'm sure he said, boy, I wish he would have done that before I would have put all those people in prison and was standing there when Stephen got stowed and many things as as that. Uh, Romans 9.11, For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but him that calleth. The purpose of God in election from before the foundation of the world. Uh, Ephesians says, and you hath he chosen in Christ be- before the foundation of the world. <clears throat> and he speaks about the Spirit again in John 14:7, uh, John 14:17. The Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. So he brings up another aspect of the relationship of the church with the Spirit and the world. And uh, Paul affirms that. And he says the, the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're f- foolishness to him. He neither can he know them uh, because they're spiritually discerned. And, and he says the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. So there's two things that they, they don't have. They don't see and they don't know. But you know Him, for He dwelleth in you and shall be in you. It's, a, it's kind of two tenses of a verb that says He's always with you and, uh, through all time. And so is the Spirit of God in us and with us always? Well, yes, He is. And But we, in our unregenerate state, we don't recognize that really, and we don't come to know it until after the rebirth and until <clears throat> it's revealed to us. Uh, and it's all according to God's purpose and His will and time. And, uh, you know, I was thinking as I was typing that note that uh, in some time back in Norm brought a, in his series on Ezra, uh, from Ezra chapter 2, the exactness of God the exactness of God. You know, everything with Him is precise. Everything runs perfectly. Uh, Everything is synchronized according to His will and purpose. And the Spirit, who is with us eternally, is in unison with that, is in unity with that. And... uh, at the exact appointed time that the Father appointed and that they in unity were in agreement with He guards us through life <clears throat> not one person of the church will leave this world before the Spirit of God he intersects us with the gospel brings us the new birth causes us to believe and teaches us all truth He will, he will teach all truth you know the Acts fifteen eighteen says, "Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world." How expansive is that? And the Spirit is is in that one and the same. <clears throat> uh, and I think of some examples. You know that says, you, "You can't see the Spirit," and and we have that example in uh, John chapter three. We'll read that here in a minute, but. You know the spirit of God is His active arm in if, in the effectual application of the 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 redemptive price of His body for salvation and <clears throat> and many things that He does that that we don't see but we can read about them and we can say, wow, uh, how how blessed is that Jesus. In John chapter 1 verse 50 he's talking to this fellow who said Jesus answered and said unto him because I said unto thee I saw thee under the fig tree believest thou you'll see greater things than these. I saw you under the fig tree. And he thought he was alone apparently is for the implication of that Scripture, he, maybe he was praying under that fig tree and and meditating on the spiritual things and and the Lord was with him, the Spirit of God was with him. <clears throat> the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hear the sound of it, but you can't tell from whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now that speaks to the sovereignty of the Spirit in in the the new birth, but it also tells us that it gives us this metaphor of that you don't really see physically. You can't see the wind physically, but you can see the result of it. You can see the manifestation of it in the waves on the water and in the leaves moving on the trees, and you can feel it. Blowing against you, uh, you, you have many manifestations of the res, of the effects of it, but you don't really. It's it's invisible to your eye, and so we have that aspect of the spirit that just because we don't see it doesn't mean that it's not there with us, and and we as. <clears throat> As humans, we kind of have that, like Nathan, like Nathan under that fig tree. We just say, I'm alone. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's, but you know what? The Spirit is always with us, and, uh, and we, we, should, we should keep that in mind, and uh, it, would be, it would be good for us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, if you would turn there in your Bible for one verse, second Corinthians chapter four uh, verse eighteen says while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen we don't we don't look at the things seen for our spiritual comfort and in eternal uh security and things but we look at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal, all the things that we see are they're just in this world in this time and they're not going to be here forever but the things which are not seen are eternal now there's something for you to wrap your arms around the things that we don't see are eternal and and we don't really sometimes pay enough attention to that and we get caught up in the this world is all there is and and we focus too much on that but the things which are not seen are eternal and that's the way the the Holy Spirit is in operating with the church. And, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, as He was leaving in, in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, 20, says, uh, as He's given instructions there, He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, which is just the gospel. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. And, and you know, that just means not from, just from this point forward, uh, again, if we could expand our our these words just mean etern, eternity, et, eternalness, and if we could expand our thinking, not to just think of well eternity just means from now forward or from this point forward in in a linear type framework, uh, but eternity with him is is he says I am. There's no before there's no after no beginning he, I'm the alpha and the omega there I'm all <clears throat> so the spirit here in our text verse in chapter twelve, Luke chapter twelve verse eleven and twelve that spirit shall teach you what to say in that day in that day when you're taken before magistrates or you're taken before Powers or you run into somebody that uh, accosts you about the gospel or whatever the situation whatever uh, part that we may be involved in that 's where we 're having to uh, present the gospel and and he says the spirit will teach you what to say in that day. No need <clears throat> to try and depend on our own reasoning we don 't need that little cheat cheat that says, well, if they say this word, then I go here, if I, they say that word, then I go that this place, you know, that that's just not depending on the Spirit to do His job, because the Spirit will teach you what to say in that day, and it may not be much, and it may not. The, one of the things that we need to focus on is that we don't have control over that, and we we say what the spirit leads us to in the gospel and maybe we don't get the results that we would like to see you know maybe it has the exact opposite effect but you know what no matter what happens there god gets the glory because it's according to his purpose <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, Paul wrote, and if you want to turn over to First Corinthians chapter two, First Corinthians two, and we'll read verses uh, one through four. There, uh, Paul I think had a grasp of this principle that, you know, you know he'd been exposed to so much of the Old Testament and probably memorized it, <clears throat> but he didn't go to people. And he didn't talk to the people that were trying to stone him or beat him, beat him with rods or all those things. He he just presented the gospel, and and I believe it as the Spirit directed him, as the, you know the Bible says, holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And he says, brethren, First Corinthians chapter two verse one, and I, brethren, when I came to you came not with excellency of speech. I didn't sit here and write out a long, elaborate diatribe of, of words that you're going to have to look up later to make me look smart. He says, I didn't come to you with, <clears throat> with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says, that's the only thing that makes a difference only thing that works. It's the only thing that the Holy Spirit uses to uh, bring about the the new birth is the gospel. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, he says, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and power. He knew that the Holy Spirit had control of that <clears throat> and apparently it was effectual in these people because he calls them brethren. <laughs> he wouldn't be saying that if they were if they were not uh, brethren. He would, he'd be calling them something else. He said, "I brethren, when I came to you. He said, "I brought you the gospel." <clears throat> and so <clears throat> that brings us to another Part here that's so vitally important, and then the Spirit teaching is what we shall say is that then we just leave it up to Him because He is the one that has the control over the effectual nature of it. <clears throat> what you say by the Spirit, the Gospel, <clears throat> the Bible tells us is going to be a savor of life unto life to some, and a savor of death unto death to others. If we turn over to Second uh, Corinthians, chapter two, verse fourteen. That we we have that in our in our scriptures here. <clears throat> there, there's only two results. There's no ambiguity there. There's no. Well, some people can believe and some people cannot believe. And to others, we just, it's just it's up to you. Uh, second Corinthians two verse 14, 15 and sixteen. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, no matter the outcome, we triumph in Christ because we've done our duty. we have, we have declared the gospel, and but that's as far as we can we can take it. <clears throat> he always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Now that's an interesting word because that word savor has to do with our smell our smelling ability, the sweet savor. Uh, Norm has brought a couple of lessons on this sweet savor of incense in, in his Old Testament s- studies from where they burnt incense at the altar and it was a, it was a picture. It was a metaphor. <coughs> So there's a smell to God that goes out from from as we declare the gospel. And then to some, it's a smell of death. To others, it's a smell, the sweet smell of life. "'He always causes us to triumph in Christ "'and makes manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place.'" You know, God uses the church, the elect to declare the, the wonderful sweetness of the gospel of the knowledge of his son. In verse 15 says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. A sweet, a sweet when he sees us, he just smells the sweet smell of his son instead of what we we were. And in them, he says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish, to the one we're the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And he says, And who is who's sufficient for these things? You know, we'd like to have be able to control that outcome. And it has these two results. And he says, I've got no control. Who's sufficient for these things? Who can understand uh, all of that? Who can who can control it? it's only the Holy Spirit it all glorifies God and it all accomplishes his purpose he he has the gospel preached where he'll have it preached and it'll accomplish the purpose and it may only be for a while remember here a while back we had a study about uh, the Ninevites and he sent Jonah to he says, I want you to go to Jonah and Thus saith the Lord to them, and you know that that record. And he went, and they repented. It said, but it was only for like a hundred years. <laughs> then they went back. the The next generation went back to worshiping and all kind of evil behavior, and and as a result, you know, justice was brought down on them, and the Babylonians came in and burned it all to the ground and killed them all, and. Uh, But for the ones that God had purposed to hear the gospel and believe, it was effectual in them. It all glorifies God and accomplishes his purpose. And uh, we have just a little bit of time left. I'd like to look at a couple of examples of this where uh, these things become applicable. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say at the time. And so if you go with me to Acts, the second chapter, in verse fourteen, and here is <clears throat> we have this instance where Peter, the Holy Spirit, is, as as Mike brought out in his lesson on the mighty rushing wind, the Spirit was there, and and they they heard the gospel, they they heard the wonderful works of God in all in their own languages, and and. <clears throat> Peter preached to them the gospel from the book of Joel and from Psalms chapter uh, 16 verse 10, and the, the cutting to the end of the story there. We'll read that, but uh, at the end there was added to them about three thousand souls from the, the the work of the Spirit there, and from what he had directed Peter to preach. <clears throat> So, um, I think we will have time to read that real, real quickly. The Peter standing up with the eleven, verse fourteen of Acts chapter two. Lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken. Remember they said, well, these guys are drunk. That's why all this language issue is going on. These men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. The spirit moved in him to say wow this is just what we read about in the in the book of Joel in the old testament and it shall come to pass in the last days saith god i'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and my servants and my handmaids i will pour out on in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and i will show wonders In heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible he should be holden of it. And because David wrote about this in Psalm 16.10, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my faith, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore, did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad, moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So all of the elements of the gospel presented there <clears throat> this Jesus of God, uh, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received to the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear, the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel to them all in their own languages and tongues. David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this... They were pricked in their hearts. Well, who does that? Whose job is that? That is the Holy Spirit that, uh, that applies that. <clears throat> and it, you know, it just doesn't do any good to prick the heart of a dead heart. Because it's dead. <laughs> there has to be a new heart. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized unto every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, Just acknowledge, turn. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What a, what a work of grace. What a work of the Spirit there. <clears throat> and so then if we move ahead to chapter 6, We're just not going to be able to read this whole thing because we're getting kind of low on time, but this has to do with Stephen and the same thing. They remember Stephen was one that they made to help out there to be a deacon and and wait on people and... and, uh, Said in verse five of chapter six, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of <clears throat> of Antioch, and and so they were helping out there. And in verse eight, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And then <clears throat> there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines. Cyrenians and Alexandrians and them of Cilician Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake, so they arrested him. <laughs> That's how I do it. Didn't that it's ironic there. They well we we can't find anything wrong with he said, but we want to make him stop. And and so here's their plan. They set up false witnesses. <laughs> We'll hire some guys to lie about him. And so they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council, just like Jesus said. When they take you before the powers and the magistrates and the elders and the synagogue, take no thought what you're going to say. Well, you know what he did? He preached the gospel to them from Genesis to Malachi. And just... I couldn't do that. Probably, <laughs> he just had it all down, and the Holy Spirit moved in him there to to give the the whole uh, story there. And so that moves on into chapter seven, and and he continues this gospel from Abraham on, and and tells them about their deliverance from Egypt and, and Joseph and all of that and Moses and then their rejection that they had. They turned As soon as Moses was out of sight, they turned back and, uh, <clears throat> and took up the tabernacle of Moloch and uh, <clears throat> So we're going to cut to the chase down here to chapter 7 verse 51 after he declares the mighty works of God to them in all that he did from the the beginning. And he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they've slain them which showed before the coming of the just one. And he's just saying these prophets that you slew, they were declaring the the coming of the just one in all the Old Testament. The same as our pastor does Wednesday night and every Sunday from Zechariah and Numbers and Ezra and Malachi and all the books that he's brought us through. He showed before the coming. Remember his... Uh, His message is someone's coming, someone is here, someone's coming back. That's all, that's what, that's what Stephen was telling them. Well, what happened then? Again, we have the results that we saw in Acts chapter 2 where 3,000 were added to the church that day. Some of the results here are immediate and some results are far down the road yet, but the Spirit has... Paul said, who's sufficient for these things? The Spirit controls the timing of that according to the purpose of God because when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on Him with their teeth. But He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. You know, the, the Lord was knew His end and he was no probably one of those ones those disciples that were with him back during this time with the the Pharisees all the dealings that he had with them and <clears throat> he looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing by the right hand of God and said behold I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God you know he probably knew by then that they they had a his demise in mind. They gnashed on him with their teeth. That's just—I don't know if we can imagine the viciousness with which they uh, they received the gospel. It was a savour of death unto death unto them. <clears throat> and they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears. We don't want to hear this. And they ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And we're talking, when we're talking about stones, well, it's like stones big enough to hurt you. Not just, we don't like you, we're going to throw rocks at you and hope you go away. It was stones big enough to inflict death. They stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So the Spirit was working here, even though the results won't be seen physically for some time yet. But the Spirit was there. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my Spirit. And kneeling down, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, I think he understood that there were some among them that, that were going to be believers at some time, but he says, I don't know who's sufficient for these things. I don't know who they are. Well, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, "...the Spirit of Christ which was in them testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow." 1 Thessalonians tells us that the gospel comes to us not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. That same Spirit that teaches us what we ought to say at the time according to the purpose of God. And and remember to... You know, he he said, be not afraid of them that can kill the body. And, and he gave him a look at where he was going. He says, your physical body may be about to end, but here's... You're just stepping across the line over with me. So, <clears throat> just for uh, the church, take you no thought what you shall answer, what you shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you the same hour what you ought to say. So with that, we'll stop. And the next time we'll take a look at this young man that says, I'm worried about my inheritance. So be free, my friends.